a Bible, I want to ask you to go with me, please, to Matthew chapter 6, as we continue our sermon series, On Earth as it is in Heaven. We are expecting and praying for an invasion of divine life in our day. America needs God. America needs the Lord. And you and I as the church, we stand in the gap to pray for this nation, that God would do in her what he has done in the past. You know, sometimes we think we're in the worst days we've ever been in, and that's true in a sense. But there have been two times in the history of this nation when we arrived at a place of such Moral decline that it seemed as though God would just do better to wipe this nation off the earth. And both times, God manifested his power and glory by bringing revival to America in answer to a waiting and praying church. The first and second great awakenings remind us that God can outdo himself every time. And that God can awaken America yet a third time. How many of you are praying for that? We're praying that God will fulfill His word uh, to us in the the Lord's Prayer. And this morning, this is actually sermon number three. It's sermon number two, but it's actually sermon number three. I was planning to preach this next week, but you guys are so special. God said, no, I want them to hear this this week. So I don't know why you're here. But this is for you. Say amen. Are you, are you there? Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is uh, uh, done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that They will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you have need of before you ask. Isn't that good news? Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven those who are our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege that we have been given to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is life here. I pray that you would come and give me bread for your people. That you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that as we hear the word together, it might stir faith in our heart. I ask this in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to go to the part of the prayer in which Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily 
needs. And so I want to speak this morning about that part of the prayer of Jesus in which he says, Give us this day our daily bread. As we read through the Lord's Prayer, we have uh, been given a pattern of how to pray. We find first that Jesus teaches us to enter the presence of God in prayer by entering in with worship and adoration to God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Sanctified, glorified be your name. And then He teaches us to ask, and He says... Ask for these things. Ask that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He teaches us to desire above all things that the glory of God would be made known to men. Because when God's glory is manifest, lives are changed and hearts are genuinely transformed. There is a great power in the earth that is the power of God. And when God manifests His glory and His might in a life, it is a transforming experience which many of us in this room have experienced from God. And so He teaches us to pray for the manifestation of God's will on the earth. And I challenged you last week to to think about what would Beville look like if heaven was existing on the earth through the life of the church? What would Beville look like if God's will were done in everything that you and I say and do? But this morning I believe the Father wants to speak to His children on a very specific and particular and yet very basic point. The words of Jesus are these. He says when you pray, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. I believe this morning that God is concerned about your daily needs. We do not have a God who is just a big picture God. Surely He is. He looks at at the world. He looks at time as past, present, and future. He's omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. That means He's everywhere all the time. He knows everything about everything. And He is all-powerful. And yet He cares about you and I, in a specific and a unique way. And so this prayer this morning, I want to just give you an an idea of what Jesus is talking about as He teaches us to pray and He teaches us to ask God to give us daily bread, to give us our basic needs, to meet our basic needs today. So first of all, we see that Jesus teaches us to pray for our basic needs. How many of you take time each day to pray for your basic needs. I think that uh, we take for granted the fact that God has provided for us the basic things of life. So many times, uh, if we have a good job or we have a stable financial situation, we take for granted the uh, eating out at a restaurant or having a a meal that's uh, a full spread upon our table. We take for granted those things. And often we don't think about our daily bread until we don't have any daily bread. Until the money's tight and the finances are thin and things are, are slowing down, then we start to realize, hey, that taco I ate this morning was a manifest presence of God in my life. And Jesus reminds us, He says, when you pray, pray for the daily bread, pray for the basic needs, don't ever get beyond dependence on God. 
Don't ever get to a place where you are so dependent upon yourself, so independent that you no longer remember that it is God who provides even the basic things in your life. We can't ever get to a place where we no longer rely on Him. And so Jesus really in this prayer is teaching us a prayer of dependence upon God. A kind of prayer that is saying to God, God, I have a good job, but if I didn't, if it weren't for the job, you would still provide my daily bread. It's the kind of prayer that recognizes that God is our source. Can you say that with me? God is our source. You might have a good job, but the job doesn't give you the energy to work. God does that. You might have energy, but it's not, it's not out of your own physical uh, uh, ability, but it's the fact that God gave you breath this morning and He caused you to wake up and to breathe the air of a new day. And so God is the source of our life and He is the source of our daily bread. He says in Matthew 6, 7, which we read this morning, that He knows what we need even before we ask. So you say, Pastor, what's the point of asking then? If God already knows what I need, and and I, I have a need for bread, I have a need for provision, why does He want me to ask? Well, He wants us to ask so that we can remind ourselves daily that God is the provider of our life, that God is the source of our life, so that our dependence will always be upon God. Some people depend on the government. Some people depend on their job. Some people depend on, depend on charity. You and I must learn to depend wholly and completely upon God. You know the patriarch Jacob? Jacob was the third man of the faith of the faith tree. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob the patriarch prayed this prayer in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 21. He prayed, if God will be with me, and will keep me and give me daily bread and clothing, then the Lord will be my God. This is Jacob, to whom God promised all of the, all of the inheritance of Abraham, his father, the nation of Israel as we know it today. And yet the patriarch is asking God for his daily bread. You know, I want to just tell you a little bit about myself. When I pray uh, for my meals, generally I pray and I say, Lord, I thank you for the tithers and the givers of Kingsway Church because you have used them to provide my daily bread. But you know, even if you didn't do that, I'd still eat. Because God is my source. So you need to remember that your job's not your source, your parents aren't your source, the government's not your source, God is our source. Then Jesus is pray, teaching us to pray a prayer of contentment. He's teaching us to, to thank God and to be content with our daily provisions. You know, we get ahead of ourselves so many times. We, we plan and we, we, we think and we worry in advance, don't we? We like to worry ahead of things and we get ahead of what we need today. Really what God wants us to do is to learn to be content with where I am. If you didn't have filet mignon for lunch yesterday, then at least you had a, a steak ranchero. And if you didn't have a steak ranchero, at least you had a carne asada taco. And if you, if you didn't have a carne asada taco with aguacate like I like it, then at least you had a ramen noodle soup. But you had something because God 
cares for you. So whatever it is, thank him for it. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, America has a problem of discontentment. We are stuck in the comparison trap. We want to always keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses got a new minivan. I've got to get a new minivan. The Joneses got a new paint job on the house. I've got to get a new paint job on the house. Never mind, I can't afford it. Never mind, I'm going into debt. That's the American way. And the American way is sinking quickly because we have lost the art of being content of saying you know what it's not all that I want and it's not all that I'm going to have but I am content with where I am right now because I may not be where I'm going but at least I'm not where I started out God is working faithfully in my life somebody praise the Lord for his provision Jesus is also teaching us to pray a specific prayer He gives us the who, give us. He gives us the when, today. He gives us the what, bread. Those are the kinds of prayers that God loves to answer when you pray specific and exact prayers toward God. And so when you and I pray, we need to pray not just about our meals. Uh, uh, This message, if you haven't noticed yet, is not just about your meals. But it's about every need in your life. Pray specific prayers that God will be glorified in answering. Answering Why? Because when you pray a specific prayer and God answers specifically, there remains no doubt in our mind that it was God who did it. And then God gets all of the glory and He gets all of the praise. So what are we talking about then when we talk about this daily bread? Well, first of all, we're talking about our daily food, our provision. You know, the Bible calls God, one of his names is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Say that with me. The Lord will provide. I don't know what your need is today. I have a hunch, though, that there are many needs in the room. It might be financial. You might be looking at a long month and a short check. And you need to say, the Lord will provide. Maybe you are looking at a relationship issue. You need to remind yourself, God will provide. It is the Lord that takes pleasure in providing for His children. You know, the Bible said that the Lord hears the ravens even when when they cry and He nourishes them. The story is told of the missionary, faith missionary George Mueller. He ran an orphanage in London. And one day he had about a hundred orphans under his care and he had nothing to give them for dinner. That's a problem. You're worrying about feeding your five or six. He was worried about feeding a hundred orphans for dinner. So it came dinner time. He called them all into the dining hall. He said, have a seat. They had their seat. He said, we're going to give thanks. And some of the staff were probably thinking, give thanks for what? We don't have any bread. We don't have any milk. We don't have anything. So he sat down. They sat down and he began to give thanks. And Brother Mueller began to pray as he journals this. And he says, he began to pray, oh God, I thank you for the meal that you have provided for us today. You always provide for us. And as he was praying, someone knocked at the door. They opened the door and they said, uh, the, the, uh, the milkman uh, was going by. He said, Brother Mueller, you know, my, my wagon got stuck in the mud and I don't seem to be able to get it out. So if we don't drink this milk, it's going to spoil. And, and I just want to see if the orphans could use the milk. So they brought in a whole truckload of milk 
into the orphanage. And the, the milkman left. And there was another knock at the door, and he opened the door, and they said, Brother Mueller, uh, it, it's me, the baker from down the street. I had some bread left over today, wasn't able to sell it. Do you think you guys could use it here? So they brought in the bread into the orphanage. Do you think that's all there is to it? He closed the door. Third knock on the door. This was the butcher. He said, I was about to close the shop today, and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to bring by some meat for the children. So I brought some meat for the children. God is able to provide our daily and basic needs. Somebody ought to give God thanks for his care and his concern for us. Another faith missionary, Hudson Taylor, after whom I modeled much of my ministry. He was a kind of missionary, we call them faith missionaries, because they would never ask for money uh, for themselves. They would never tell anybody if they had a financial need. That's the kind of evangelist that I was. I never told anybody if I had any need. And this is what Hudson Taylor said. He said, our Heavenly Father is, a, is very experienced. He knows very well. That, that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. How many of you know that's true? He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. He said, I do not expect that he will send three million missionaries to China. But if he did, I have ample confidence that he is able to sustain them all. Depend on it. God works done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Can we say that together? God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. God will meet our daily needs. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, they were out there and they were in the desert and they began to test God. And this is the question they asked the Lord. They asked the question, can God set a table in the wilderness? Don't you know that God loves a good challenge? They challenged the Lord. Can God set a table in the wilderness? And you know what the Lord did? The Lord provided manna six days a week for 40 years. And every single day they had the bread that they needed to sustain their lives. And the Bible said there was not one sick or feeble among them in 40 years. Why? Because God is able to set a table in the wilderness. Do you have a wilderness this morning? Hope is up. God is able to set a table in the midst of your wilderness. How healing or pardon bread not only refers in the Bible to physical uh, provision, but it also refers to healing. Because the Bible tells us that a woman came to Jesus whose daughter was grossly possessed by the devil. And so she came to Jesus and began to implore that he would heal her, and Jesus ignored her. And she cried the louder. Jesus continued to ignore her until uh, finally she got his attention. And, and he said to her, uh, he said, Ma'am, uh, you're a Gentile. You're from outside the Jewish faith. He said, Should I give the children's bread to the dogs? And she said to him, Yes, Lord. Uh, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She expressed her faith in the confidence that God could heal her daughter and that Jesus, if he just gave her a morsel of his bread, would be able to heal the daughter that was so grossly afflicted by the devil. Your children have the bread of divine healing because God is a divine healer. Somebody ought to say amen. So when you encounter sickness and disease, 
Remember that, that our bread is the healing of our bodies because Jesus is the bread of life. He is the healer of the body. Then we see that the bread in the Bible is also uh, refers to the bread of reconciliation. This type of bread was set before uh, the brothers of Joseph who had sold him into bondage. Joseph had some brothers who were jealous of him. And these guys did something to him that was worse than anything that my brothers ever did to me for sure. And probably worse than anything your brothers ever did to you. But they sold him into slavery. You know it doesn't get any worse than that. When your brothers sell you into slavery. And Joseph became a slave. And for several years of his life, he served in a, in a slave's position. And then he was falsely accused and he went into prison. And all that time in prison... I imagine that Joseph could have been chewing on the bitter memories of what his brothers had done to him. But apparently that's not what he did. But the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And so immediately in one moment, he went from being a, a pauper and being in prison to being promoted to the palace because of the gift of God in his life. And so he was promoted to the palace and he interpreted a dream, a dream for Pharaoh. And he told Pharaoh, this is what's going to happen. Egypt is going to have seven years of barn bursting harvest. It's going to be good times, man. There is going to be blessing in abundance for a lot of people. He said, but after those seven years, there's going to be famine in the land. And when that famine comes in, if you're not ready, it's going to destroy the nation of Israel. So Pharaoh put Joseph in command and Joseph, through a divine strategy and wisdom, was able to save the nation of Egypt and he stored up while things were good so that he could have enough to feed the nation when things were bad. Now, three years ago this month, God spoke to us from that text. Some of you may remember that. And the Lord said to us, there is coming a time of great prosperity. It has already come. But after that will come a time of famine for our city. Friends, we're entering into that time. I pray that you had heard the word of God. And so now Joseph is in that place. And he's the only one for all the region that has any bread. Because of the wisdom of God in his life. And the Bible tells us that Jacob and his sons were starving to death because of the famine. And he told his sons, I have heard that there is bread in Egypt. So he sent those old boys across the desert into Egypt. And guess what? They showed up in the palace. And guess who they had to deal with? They had to deal with good old brother Joseph, whom they had sold into slavery. Now, if the man or woman who wronged you came to you asking you for bread, what would your response be? So quiet in the house of God this morning. Joseph, the Bible said he, he brought them in and he had them sit down at a table and he said to his servants, set bread before them. Can I tell you, friend, that when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, he wasn't just talking about our physical needs and he wasn't just talking about our healing, but he was also talking about the restoration of our families, that you and I could once again sit down and have bread 
said with those people that right now aren't talking in your life. I want to, I want to impart to you some faith this morning to believe that those relationships that are broken in your life, Jesus can give you the daily bread to heal those relationships and to bring restoration and to bring life. Give us this day our daily bread. He sat down with them and he ate with them. That began the process of restoring not only the life of his family, but of restoring the life of that, rest of, that, of that relationship. We also see the Bible tells us that bread is a reference to our victories in life's battles. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? When the nation of Israel came to the ed- edge of the Jordan to Kedesh Barnea, and the Lord told Moses to send spies into the land... Moses sent 12 spies into the land. You remember that? Ten of them came back and said, we can't take the land. It's too great for us. And two of them said, yes, we can take the land. And listen to their words. These were their words. They said, we are able to go up and take the country for they are bread for us. Because the Lord has removed their defenses from them. Look at how Joshua and Caleb described the Canaanites and described their enemies. They described their enemies as bread. What am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you that when we pray for daily bread, we're asking God, God, give me my victory over my enemy today. Give me victory over every challenge that I'm going to face today. Every day you may have a new enemy, but guess what? Every day God can give you victory over that enemy. Somebody ought to get excited this morning because you're facing an enemy that is greater than you, but the enemy is not greater than God. I said the enemy is not greater than God. He wants to give you victory. Victory over addiction. Victory over pornography. Victory over anger. Victory over, over lust. He wants to give you victory over pride. He wants to give you victory over religion. He wants to give you a victory over the occult. He wants to give you victory over your past. He wants to give you victory over the shame in your life. And that enemy is bread for you. When you face that enemy in the power of God and in the power of the name of Jesus, it's going to be an easy thing. It's going to be as easy as sitting down to have lunch because Jesus will be fighting for you. Somebody say amen in the house of the Lord. David reinforces this in Psalm 23. He said to us, he said, the Lord will set a table before me where? In the presence of my enemies. That's exciting stuff right there. God will set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You know, I experienced this once as a young man. There was a family in my father's church that caused a whole lot of trouble. I thank God that I don't have a church like my father's church. This place is awesome. You guys are beautiful. But there was a family in that church that caused a whole lot of trouble. And they hurt a lot of people. And they hurt our family. And they left. And then some years passed by, you know, and uh, we were at a, at a youth camp, and they, were, they happened to be there. And, you know, they came in and said, uh, hey, Isaac, we would like to take you out to dinner. And I wasn't so excited about going out to dinner with them, but, you know, free dinner is free dinner, right? Even if it's the devil that's serving it. So I, uh, 
I went to I went to dinner with them, and there I was eating a hamburger, and I was you know having a, a pleasant conversation with them. We were at peace. There was no rancor. I'm not a grudge holder anyway, so I was uh, I was happy to be there. They were happy to be there, and I thought to myself, the Lord surely does set a table before us in the presence of our enemies, the people that backbit, the people that stab you in the back, the people that lied about you. God said, "Don't worry, I'll turn the." tables around and I will give you a place of favor. I'll give you a place of provision even in the face of your enemy. Maybe this morning you're facing a crisis like you've never faced in your life. Look around. God will set a table for you even in the presence of your crisis, even in the middle of the enemy's camp. He will do that because he loves you. We also find that this table It's a table that God provides for a greater reason than all of those. The the bread that God wants you to have is more than physical. It's more than just healing. It's more than just restoration or victory. But the bread that God wants us to have is a bread of presence. You see, in the tabernacle, there was a table. And on the table, there were 12 loaves of bread. One for every tribe of the nation of Israel. And those, those, the table was called the table of shewbread. S-H-E-W. Shewbread. And that word shew, in the Hebrew, it means the bread of face. What does this mean? It meant that when the, the priests went into the holy place, they would go to the table of shewbread, and they would have literally face bread with God. It meant they would eat with God face to face. The bread of face reminds us that God desires relationship with us. That God wants to know us and He wants us to know Him. He wants us to enjoy the bread of face. What was the last time you had FaceTime with God? When you turned off the television, you turned off the radio, and you turned off your cell phone, and you turned off the kids and you, uh, you sat at your table with an open Bible and an open heart. And you had FaceTime with the Almighty. That's ultimately, friends, what Jesus is talking about. When he says, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. He's really saying, Father, let us have FaceTime with you today. Every day that you begin in prayer and spending time with God will be better than a day that you don't. You see, friend, that day will bring troubles of its own. And God knows what they are. But when we spend time with the Father, face to face with God, that's the place where we can get the instructions and the strength and the wisdom and the hope and the joy that we're going to need for the victory that we're going to have throughout that day. And so God calls us to the table of bread. He calls us to the table of face bread, the place where we can eat one-on-one with God, like two lovers at a table where they are close, where there is intimacy, where there is familiarity, where there is communion. Fellowship with God, friends, is the greatest prize of the cross. It is an awesome thing to be forgiven of our sins. It is an awesome thing to have the hope of heaven and eternal life. 
It is an awesome thing to have the restoration of our relationships and the healing of our body. But there is a gift that the cross offers far greater than all of that. And that is that you and I can know and walk with God. That we can say with to Him sincerely from our heart, Our Father. That is what God wants for you this morning. That you would know Him personally intimately and daily that you would walk with him as Adam walked with with him in the cool of the day now I want to close this sermon by telling you a story of two brothers this story is a very familiar one to us but I think it's a story about FaceTime it's a story about two brothers that lived in the same house we usually call it the story of the lost son or the prodigal son But really, you know, both of these sons were lost. One of them was lost from the house. The other was lost in the house. I don't know which one you are this morning, but I have a suspicion that some of you are lost from the house. And you're like this first son. He went to his father and he said to him, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. What was he saying to his father? He was saying, you're not dying soon enough. So I want you to give me what's in your will for me to have. That's a, uh, a, an hijo mal criado, as we would say in Spanish. I don't know how you translate that in English, but basically means a rotten son, right? Poorly raised. He comes to his father. He says, I want my share of the inheritance. I want it now. So the father liquidates the assets. He gives the son his share of the inheritance. And he leaves the house and he goes to a far country. Maybe you've done the same. Maybe you've left the house of God. You've gone to a far country and it's been a long time since you've seen the Father's face, since you spent time with Him. And while he was out there, he spent his money on riotous living. Every kind of vice you can imagine. I'm sure if there was a drug, he tried it. He tried every kind of luxury, every kind of pleasure. Women, friends, sports, gambling, fame, all of it. Until one day, he reached in his pocket and there was nothing left. He had spent all that his father had lived his life to to amass and to give to him. And there he was in the far country. And maybe like him today, you find yourself far from God. Far from God's house, but friend, not far from God's love. He found himself distant, separated. But here's the beauty of it. He was lost, but he was still a son. He had broken fellowship with the father, but his relationship was that of a son. The Bible said that one day he got so hungry... So hungry. And I believe to this morning there's some people in here that have a hunger for God. This man became so hungry, the Bible said that he would have liked to have filled his, his belly. It's literally the word belly. Fill his stomach with the pods that were being eaten by the swine. He would have eaten swine food. This was a Jewish boy. So desperate, his condition. So hungry that he was willing to eat swine's food. But no one would give him any. That's how bad it was. Not even the swine would share their food with this boy. 
And he had a thought. You know, restoration begins with a single thought. Your comeback begins with a single thought. Is there anybody in here that needs a comeback? I said, is there anybody in here that needs a comeback? That comeback begins with a single thought. He thought to himself. Listen to his thinking. He said, in my father's house, even the servants have bread enough and to spare. And here I am. Dying of hunger. I will arise. And I will go to my father. You see friend that's the best decision a man can make. When he says I'm going to get up. I'm going to get out of these, this ash heap. I'm going to get out of this mire that I'm in. I'm going to get out of the trouble that I'm in. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the father's house. And I'm going to go to him. And I'm going to repent. Friend. The Bible said that he went to the father's house and he repented before the father. And the father did not reject him because why? This bread is the bread of restoration. It is the bread of reconciliation. The father embraced him. And he said, bring my finest cloak. Dress my son. Put some new shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger and slaughter the fatted calf because we are going to have a party. My son who was lost has been restored. He's come home. In comes brother number two. He was in the house, remember? But he wasn't eating the bread of faith either. Brother number two was living with the father, but was not spending any time with him, apparently. He didn't know his father's heart. He heard the noise, the dancing, the he smelled the fajitas. He asked one of the servants, what's going on? said, oh, we're having a party. Your father killed a fatted calf because your brother, the lousy one, he came home. <laughs> well, did he make it big? Did, did, he, did, he, uh, did he build an empire? No. No, he lost it all. Brother number two reminds us of the religious spirit that sometimes gets into the heart of the church because the Bible said that he refused to go in the house. The house was his. The pantry was his. The bread was his. But he refused to go in the house. His father came out and he said, Son, what's going on? Why won't you come in? Uh, We're celebrating your brother who was dead. is alive again. He said, Dad, how many years have I worked for you? And you've never given me even a a little goat or a lamb to, to make merry with my friends. And listen, friend, this is the truth. God wants you to hear this morning. He says it to your heart as he says it to mine. He said to his son, he said, son, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. You, Kingsley Church, 
And I are sons and daughters of the living God. And he says to us today, all that I have is yours. Give us this day our daily bread. When we say that, we are literally making a demand by faith on what God has already provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you and it belongs to me if we will receive it by faith. This young man was lost in the, in the house because he had not understood the principle that the Father was His. His to enjoy. His to love. His to cherish. And His to know. Friends, I want to tell you today that Jesus is your daily bread. And all that He has is yours. If you need healing, you will find it in Christ. You need forgiveness, you will find it in Christ. You need restoration, you will find it in Christ. Can God set a table in the wilderness? Yes, He can. He already has. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Make that your prayer this morning. From your heart, reach out to God. Shut out everything else. Spend some time with Him face to face. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to make two invitations this morning. The first is for you, friend, who maybe you would say, Pastor Isaac, I am lost this morning. I'm far from the Father's house. Maybe you'd say, Pastor Isaac, if I died tonight, I don't know where I would spend eternity. You say, I've wasted my life. I've wasted my time. I've wasted my relationships. I've wasted so much. But today you say, I believe God can restore my life. And I need him to do that today. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That you can be saved. Jesus died on the cross to make a way of access to God for sinners. And this morning he says to you, I love you with an everlasting love. And I have drawn you to my house so that you can know that love. And so with your head bowed and your eyes closed, we're going to pray. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, I pray for this beautiful congregation who you have brought to this house this morning to remind them that you are the one who meets every need. I know this morning that there are some few who have gone from your house. They've strayed from you. Or maybe they don't know you as their Savior. But today you're drawing them to yourself. I pray that you would extend your hand of mercy 
and bring them to repentance. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would cause them to know their sin and their need of the Savior. Let them know that they need a righteous Savior who can be found in Christ. I ask you, Father, to do this because you love and you care for each soul in this house. And you sent Jesus to die for them.